you can now support me financially with a small monthly donation. If you do, I pledge to use your money to buy yarn and coffee. Follow the link in my Instagram bio or in this episode's description to learn more. Thank you and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Crocheting Through Medical History. I am Maria, here with a special episode where I'm not crocheting, but I am doing a whole episode of interviews with real-life sick people. If you have been listening to all of my episodes, then you'll know I just started this segment. It hasn't been here since the beginning, but I've really been enjoying it, so I wanted to go back and share interviews with people that have conditions that... I covered before I started this segment. Also, all the resources that are mentioned today will be linked below. So, let's get into it. So, the very first episode I did was about Lyme disease, which I have had. I'm in remission right now, but I was dealing with a Lyme infection for a few years. So, I shared a little bit of my story in the first episode, but I wanted to answer these questions since I was asking other people to answer them. I wanted to also answer them. Lyme disease is a tick-borne illness caused by the bacterium Borrelia burgdorferi. I went a little crazy with my Facebook Lyme group, um, and I gathered a lot of answers from people. So... If you like this episode, congrats, because um, next week we will have another episode like this, but just with Lyme disease, because I have entirely too many interviews with people with Lyme. So, stay tuned for that. But for today, I'm just going to be sharing my own personal experience. What was your initial reaction when you were diagnosed? My diagnosis was a long build-up, because... Like I mentioned in the Lyme episode, I was tested multiple times over many years before I was actually diagnosed with Lyme. I really had to advocate for an accurate test, and I was convinced that I had Lyme many months before I was officially diagnosed. So when the diagnosis came, it wasn't a surprise, but it was a big relief because I could finally stop looking for answers of why I was feeling bad and start looking for answers of how do I feel better, if that makes sense. So definitely relief, but at the same time, I felt really validated because I had a name to attribute my symptoms to and a real condition that I could be like, yeah, I have this thing and that's why I have all of these symptoms and all of these problems. Um, so that was very validating, and for the first time ever, I called out of work because of my Lyme symptoms. I felt like I had that right now, that I could say, I have this disease. I can't come into work today because I feel like absolute garbage. What are your top survival strategies for your condition? Getting enough sleep is one of my biggest survival strategies, as well as Drinking a lot of water and temperature regulation, trying to like dress appropriately and all that, and just generally like listening to my body 
to know what I can and cannot do in a day. I forgot to mention, I also even now in remission take a lot of supplements just to improve the natural function of my body. And that was also very helpful when I was going through treatment and on a lot of antibiotics as well as one of my biggest advice things for anyone having any problems is take a probiotic. A good quality probiotic will help balance your gut and that'll also help improve your immune system as well as just make you feel better. Like I said, I'm in remission. I have been for almost nine months, so that's cool. But all of these things are still things that I try to do just because they're good, healthy things for me to do. What is the best thing to come from your condition? The best thing to come from Lyme disease has probably been the ability to advocate for myself. Um, for most of my life, like growing up, I was very passive and scared of everything. And I didn't want to like cause conflict. I lacked a lot of confidence in just every area of my life. And I struggled to make decisions. And I just was like a ball of anxiety that didn't want to speak up about anything. Um, having Lyme disease, which is heavily misunderstood, it really gave me the need to learn to like stand up for myself and to make myself heard and to advocate for myself even when it was uncomfortable or it was challenging someone else's thinking. I learned to still like not let that stop me from speaking up for what I need. What do you wish the general public knew about your condition? Lyme disease is greatly underestimated by most of the population, and chronic Lyme disease is not even recognized as a real disease. So I mostly just wish that the general public knew how Lyme disease can be debilitating and destroy every part of your body um, and is a serious condition. And I wish the doctors would recognize um, that one round of antibiotics isn't a cure-all for a tick bite and that lingering symptoms are reason for concern that need addressing and that chronic Lyme exists and like needs treatment because it sucks. So those are the things I wish people knew. Are there any groups or organizations related to your condition that you want to plug? Um, I'm a member of a number of Facebook groups that are all named some iteration of Rise Above Lyme. Those groups have been really helpful in my journey to just like communicate with others with Lyme and to learn from their experiences. It's been great. I also, the books TikTok It's Lime O'Clock by Kristen Nanos and Unlocking Lime by Dr. Bill Rawls were both helpful if you're the reading type. So, moving on to the next condition is Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. So, according to the Mayo Clinic, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome is a group of inherited disorders that affect your connective tissues, primarily your skin, joints, and blood vessel walls. Um, thank you to my ex-roommate, Kim, for answering these questions of mine and also for suggesting the topic. Disclaimer from her, my diagnosis is just the general hypermobile EDS, but we are watching for signs of the vascular version. So I have to have an echocardiogram every three years. What was your initial reaction when you were diagnosed? My entire paternal side of the family has EDS, but weren't aware of it until my Aunt Kim died from a spontaneous aortic dissection before I was born. 
So I always kind of suspected I had it, but I didn't really think much of it growing up. I was a really active kid who was involved in a lot of sports, and I mainly experienced a lot of joint pain, and I would roll my ankles fairly frequently. I guess I considered the pain normal because I grew up with it and kind of assumed everyone had that type of pain. I wasn't officially diagnosed until I was around 20 years old when I went to a series of doctors trying to figure out why I was having really bad lower back pain, which was eventually identified as the start of degenerative disc disease, and I was sent to a geneticist who gave me the diagnosis based on family history and physical ailments. I guess my initial reaction was a feeling of relief because now that it was identified, I could find ways to manage it better, if that makes any sense. What are your top survival strategies for your condition? A lot of the ways I deal with having EDS is a lot more about prevention versus reaction. I can still do a lot of things that normal people do, I just have to do them differently and prepare for them differently. For example, I plan on thru-hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, which is an about 2,650-mile trail that spans the length of the U.S. from Mexico to Canada, and some things I've done to help prevent some pain and injuries that I'm more prone to are reducing my pack weight as much as possible, doing some physical therapy exercises to help strengthen my hips and knees, and wearing boots instead of trail runners for ankle stability, amongst other things. A lot of it is just being aware of my body and being able to recognize a normal pain, like some joint pain, occasional migraines, etc., versus something that needs looked at, as well as identifying things that trigger pain. One example for me is sitting in one position too long can cause my joints to get stiff. Also, know which activities will cause me the most pain afterwards, but sometimes I still do them because I enjoy them and life would be boring if we were always too afraid to do the things we love. I just make sure to keep some painkillers handy and take a nice hot Epsom salt bath and or ice afterwards. What is the best thing to come from your condition? One of the best things that has come from my condition, I could also say, is one of the worst things. It has given me the capability to really understand people who are going through some physically painful experiences and be able to have a lot of grace for them. But other times, I can see people as babies or weaklings when they complain about not being able to do some normal, everyday things because of a little bit of pain. Sometimes I can get frustrated at people who complain because I have pain every day and can still function perfectly fine. Why can't you? It's kind of two sides of the same coin. What do you wish the general public knew about your condition? I wish... People knew that sometimes we're in a lot of pain that can be incapacitating, so if we have to cancel plans, not show up to things, or seem very distant all of a sudden, it's not because we don't care, it's because we simply can't. And also, not all hypermobility means you have EDS. Are there any groups or organizations related to your condition that you want to plug? Ehlers-Danlos.com also, I have a book called Disjointed by Diana Joven that is a great resource. So, the next topic is fibromyalgia. According to the Mayo Clinic, fibromyalgia is a disorder characterized by widespread musculoskeletal pain accompanied by fatigue, sleep, memory, and mood issues. Researchers believe that fibromyalgia amplifies pain sensations by affecting the way your brain and spinal cord process painful and non-painful signals. 
thank you to my mother-in-law, Michelle, for sharing her experience with fibromyalgia. What was your initial reaction when you were diagnosed? I didn't really have a big reaction. I remember feeling relieved that we could put a name to it, but frustrated that it's so ambiguous that knowing the why and the what now was difficult. What are your top survival strategies for your condition? Diet! I do my best to avoid inflammatory foods as much as possible. These include gluten, dairy, and refined sugar. I also really focus on gut health to reduce inflammation as well. I try to balance between giving my body a break and resting and movement. If I swing too much in one direction or the other, it's bad. Can't overdo, can't underdo. Good quality sleep is also key. I also go to a chiropractor and massage therapist regularly. What is the best thing to come from your condition? Wow, <laughs> had to think about this one for a bit. It has made me much more in tune with my body and its signals. It's also really made me think about what I put into my body. What do you wish the general public knew about your condition? Fibromyalgia is a very emotionally exhausting illness and not just because it's frustrating to not be able to do the things or to be in pain all the time. There's a lot that goes on inside my head. When it flares up and I tell people that I can't do things or I've had to call into work, it's easy to assume people don't believe you. I don't look sick and most of the time I can function through the pain and fatigue, but then people assume I'm really okay. It's weird. I don't necessarily want to talk about it all the time, but sometimes I need to. Then I feel like I'm being annoying or whining or being a wimp and think other people will think that too. But also, nobody ever asks, what's it like? Where's your pain? How do you feel every day? So, like, I want people to take an interest, but then I feel like a self-absorbed baby when I feel that way. It's just so dumb. There are a lot of mind games, and it can feel isolating and lonely. Are there any groups or organizations related to your condition that you want to plug? I don't really belong to any groups, but I do belong to a wonderful church and have dear friends there that support me and understand. Jesus is my support group. I try to focus on him and be grateful for what I have and that I don't have as severe a case as a lot of people. Disclaimer before we go on, um, some of the conditions that I covered, I could not find people that have them. So this is not like a comprehensive coverage of all of the topics I covered, but... It's a fair few, so um, hopefully that's enough. And if you have one of the conditions that I covered that I do not cover today, feel free to reach out and we can do a part two. So the next is premature ovarian insufficiency or POI. And it occurs when the ovaries stop functioning as they should before the age of 40. When this happens, your ovaries don't produce typical amounts of the hormone estrogen or release eggs regularly. And thank you to my mom for sharing her experience. What was your initial reaction when you were diagnosed? Relief. I had known for more than a year that something was wrong, but my doctor had been unable to determine what it was. A diagnosis meant that I could start to understand and treat it. What are your top survival strategies for your condition? Hormone replacement therapy has been a big one, both for symptom relief and for long-term health. A close second has been accepting my limitations, but not letting this condition define me. What is the best thing to come from your condition? The opportunity to participate in an NIH clinical study was one, 
It allowed me to better understand my condition while helping researchers gather data and images so they could better understand and treat it. Another has been a deeper appreciation for the blessings that I have in life, especially the two children that God allowed my body to successfully conceive and grow. Finally, learning to advocate for myself and my health. What do you wish the general public knew about your condition? An irregular period should be taken as seriously as an irregular heartbeat. And while menopause is a natural part of life, for some it happens in a very unnatural manner. Are there any groups or organizations related to your condition that you want to plug? The Facebook group currently called a Community Resource for Primary Ovarian Insufficiency POI. Supported by the Mary Elizabeth Conover Foundation, offers helpful connections and resources. And the last topic we will be covering today is premenstrual dysphoric disorder, or PMDD. It is a severe, sometimes disabling, extension of PMS. Although PMS and PMDD both have physical and emotional symptoms, PMDD causes extreme mood shifts that can disrupt daily life and damage relationships. Thank you to my sister-in-law, Allie, for talking to me about this um, and for actually sending in voice recordings. So enjoy her answers now. Hi, I'm answering these questions on a busy New York City street. So if you can hear traffic noise, I am simply so sorry. What was your initial reaction when you were diagnosed? My initial reaction when I got officially diagnosed with PMDD was, oh, thank goodness, honestly, um, because I was so thankful to have a label for what I was experiencing. Um, I know for some people, labels are not helpful. For some people, they are. For me, labels are extremely helpful, not because I can make whatever the thing is my identity, but rather just because when I can put a label on something, I can call it out and I don't have to be afraid of it because it's unknown, if that makes sense. Um, so when I got diagnosed, I was just relieved, honestly, because it finally was like, ah, that makes sense. What are your top survival strategies for your condition? As far as survival strategies go, Honestly, I think my number one thing is just let yourself have the things that do bring you temporary comfort. Um, personally, I think it's a little bit silly when people keep themselves away from the things that make them happy when they're having a really hard time because they're afraid of forming bad habits. You're not going to form the habit of eating chocolate for dinner, okay? Like... <laughs> If you want to eat chocolate for dinner because your brain and body think that the actual world is ending, eat chocolate for dinner. It's going to be fine. It's not going to ruin your life forever. Um, your body will carry on. Um, for me, I know I love to sit down with an entire bag of potato chips and watch The Office. And sometimes that's all I can do to feel a little bit of like comfort. Another thing that can be really helpful is making sure that your spouse knows what you're experiencing. So I know for me, I make sure that I communicate with my husband that, you know, here's where I'm at in my cycle. I am emotionally not feeling so great. I know why. I've got my label for it. Um, 
but then he is able to understand what's going on. He's also not confused by the mood swings, and we can just roll with it together. And he can kind of help remind me, like, everything is going to be okay. It feels bigger than it is. It feels worse than it is. Like, in, in a sense, your mind is not your own right now. Like, your brain is not the safe space but let your person be the safe space. That can be really helpful. But ultimately, I really think just the most helpful thing that you can do is focus on the things that do bring you joy and focus on the things that still make you feel like a person and not like a really sad little troll hiding underground. (laughs) What is the best thing to come from your condition? I think the best thing to come from my experience with having PMDD is I've I've had to become really good at analyzing my emotions, um, which sometimes I can overanalyze and it becomes a bad thing. But for the most part, I feel like I've gotten a lot better at kind of zooming out and trying to get like the overhead view of my emotional state how did I get here and where can I go from here as far as like an emotional roadmap there's a there's a kid yelling outside of my window right now I'm so sorry if you guys could hear that um anyway being able to analyze my emotional reaction to things and being able to kind of take stock of like now all emotions are valid but take stock in how much weight do I need to give these emotions? Is this the hill I want to die on? And most of the time, especially with PMDD, it's not. Because when you're experiencing PMDD symptoms, your brain is really kind of operating outside of what, it, what feels like outside of our control. Um, so learning the skill of grabbing those negative thoughts recognizing those spirals that you can get into and pushing that pause button and going this isn't me this isn't who I am let's zoom out let's take some breaths breaths let's take some breaths and let's start again what do you wish the general public knew about your condition honestly I think the thing that I wish the most that the general public would understand about PMDD and also just women experiencing their cycles in general is just that we aren't making crap up (laughs) um it's it, it can be really really miserable to experience the dramatic hormonal changes that women have to experience every month Um, especially when you have PMDD. So just my greatest desire is for every woman with PMDD to be taken seriously, um, to not be cast aside as someone who is just overreacting because their tummy hurts, you know? Um, It's so, so, so much deeper than that, and it can be incredibly serious and it can be life-threatening for people who don't have the emotional support that they need to navigate um, through those periods of time and 
I I just really wish that people would take the time to educate themselves um, about a women's hormonal cycle just in general because I think it is really, really useful information for everyone to have, but especially if you have women in your life or if you are a woman who experiences these really huge hormonal shifts, like, do some research, do some learning, and um, this PMDD isn't preventable, but the misery of PMDD is treatable via support. And if you're someone who's listening right now and you have PMDD or you think you might have PMDD, I just want you to know that you're not alone. There are other women out here that feel the way that you do and are experiencing the things that you're experiencing. Be an advocate for yourself. Talk to your OBGYN. Talk to your doctor. And know that your condition isn't your identity. So, um... Thank you for being here and for listening to these interviews with real life sick people. Again, join me next week as there is a interviews with real life sick people Lyme edition, which I'm very excited about. Just quick tangent about that Lyme, again, is really misunderstood and it's not recognized as or chronic Lyme is not recognized as a real disease based on the CDC. Um, So therefore, a lot of doctors don't recognize it as a real disease until they or a loved one get it. And then they're like, oh, this is a real thing. We should be like doing something about this and like treating people that have it. So it's very frustrating. But along with that, it's really not researched a lot. So there's a lot of varying symptoms and experiences that people have and there's not really like a good comprehensive list of like this is what Lyme disease can show up as because people just haven't researched that so this is by no means going to be that but I am very excited to just get a whole list of different people's experiences to give you and give myself a better understanding of what Lyme disease presents as and just all of the different ways that it can affect someone. I am very excited for that. I hope you are too. If you noticed, I was not crocheting today. I am working on a few things, which is exciting, but they're very like, I need to focus and like think about them and like read instructions and do a lot of counting so it was not the project for today but they will be cool those projects that I'm working on and I will share them pretty soon hopefully if I finish them go follow me on instagram though maria makes Mings, if you want to see some crochet projects that I have been or that I am working on um I think that that's all for today. Thank you for joining me. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I will see you next time. Bye!